Happy Sabbath. Uh, thank you so much for joining us uh, for our live stream. Um, for our church members, I, I really, really miss all of you guys. I wish um, I could come out of your screen and just come and give you guys a hug. Uh, and for those of you guys who are not a regular church member, um, thank you so much for watching this video. Uh, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, I know this is right now time of craziness. Uh, but I'm so glad uh, that you can join us today. We had really good praise by our praise team. Thank you so much, Nicole, uh, for setting that up for us. And we're gonna have we're gonna sing some really awesome songs afterwards as well. So uh, please stay afterwards as well. But man, really crazy, right? Uh, just about even two weeks ago, um, we had our actual like church worship, all all of us together, and last week. I mean, we had to close down the church service. And because of that, we were doing um, uh, live streaming there. And now this week, um, I'm at home, uh, basically live, stream, live, live streaming for you guys. And so, again, things are, things are getting crazier and crazier. And I know uh, for some of you guys, um, because of the whole like shelter in, maybe some of you guys, uh, your work situation or your business hasn't been that good, uh, but for some of and for other of you guys, you, there was a lot of adjustments. Uh, I know I talked to some of the YAM members; they actually had to uh, start working at home, and I know that's been an adjustment for some people. And I know uh, relationship-wise, I mean, you, you don't get to see us, you don't get to see me, you don't get to see our church members who you used to see at least once a week, and that's that's a big part of. Uh, your your community and and so I know that some of you guys you feel isolated and you feel alone um, but I'm I'm so glad that because of technology that we get to do this uh, I know that uh, because of technology I know some of you some of the grow groups have gotten together um, through via zoom and you guys were able to connect with each other hey we love that we love that you know I talked about this last week how <clears throat> our church services are closed, but that doesn't mean that our church community is closed. I mean, we can't we can't interact with each other physically, but again, there's many different ways of how we can reach one another, pray for one another, encourage one another, and I I love how we can uh, continue to do that going forward. And so I'm again, if you guys have any other ideas, uh, we would love to um, connect with you guys and support you guys as much as we can. So we started our series. Uh, I had to uh, stop the uh, Vision 2020 series uh, because I felt like a lot of people were in fear. A lot of people were having anxiety about this whole uh, coronavirus thing. And, um, and because of that, for the last two weeks, we've been talking about this idea of fear. What does fear mean for us? How do we actually deal with fear? Um, I actually came across this article um, actually before the whole coronavirus thing. But I, I just thought after after this whole coronavirus thing happened, it kind of reminded me of that. It's a it's an article written by C.S. Lewis. And the context of the whole article is um, it happened during World War One and World War Two, where uh, people, the country started developing nuclear weapons. And so a lot of people actually started to fear because for the first time, there was this massive weapon that could wipe out basically the whole earth. Um, so what happens is people started asking C.S. Lewis, what do we do? How do we live? How do we, how do we deal with this? And this is actually what C.S. Lewis says 
in this article. So uh, I'm going to read it. This is what he says to response of all the people who are actually fearing because of the nuclear weapon. He says this, I am tempted to reply, why? As you would have lived in the 16th century when the plague visited London almost every year, or as you would have lived in a Viking age when raiders might land and cut your throat any night, or indeed, as you are already living in an age of cancer, an age of syphilis, an age of paralysis, an age of air raids, an age of railway accidents, an age of mortar, mortar accidents. So basically, what is he saying? He's basically saying, guys, yes, this uh, nuclear weapon, this atomic bomb, it's scary. But you have to understand, we live in a scary world. In the 16th century, there was the plague. Even before that, there was the Vikings who will come and kill you. Even now, we have cancer. We have car accidents. We have a lot of bad things going on in this world. And so he's basically saying, hey, there's nothing really new about what's going on. And he's basically telling us people who are going through coronavirus, he's basically telling us the same thing. Okay? Yes, this is something new. This is something that we have to change. Uh, we have to uh, adjust to, and yet, life was always crazy. Life was always uncertain. There was always fear. There was always anxiety. In that sense, he's saying, you have already know how to live. You've always lived with fear and anxiety. He continues on. He says this, In other words, do not let us begin by exaggerating the novelty of our situation. He's saying, hey, we're no different. He continues on, believe me, dear sir or madam, you and all whom you love were already sentenced to death before the atomic bomb was invented. Again, he's continuing to say the same thing, which is, hey, atomic bomb didn't create death for us. All of us were doomed to death even before the atomic bomb. And same thing for us. Even before coronavirus, Death was reality for us. He continues on, and quite a high percentage of us were going to die in unpleasant ways anyways. We had indeed one very great advantage over our ancestors, anesthetics, but we still have death. So what is he saying? He's basically telling us, hey, all of us, all of us, no matter what century, 15th century, 13th century, 21st century, it doesn't matter what century you're at, we were all sentenced to death. No matter what, coronavirus, nuclear bomb, Vikings coming, didn't matter. We're all going to die. The only difference for us, fortunately for us, is that we actually get to die being numb. Because there's uh, technical technology advances, there's anesthetics for us, and so we could die without pain now. But again, that still doesn't change the fact that all of us are actually going to die. So he ends by saying this, and I think this is the really, um, this is the, I know all of this is really, really negative, and you're like, come on, Gideon, I'm trying to, I thought this was going to be about hope and stuff like that. But again, this is really, really cool, because this is what uh, C.S. Lewis actually says. What the wars... What the wars and the atomic bomb 
or coronavirus for us have really done is to remind us forcibly of the sort of world that we are living in, which we were beginning to forget. So what is he saying? He's saying, yes, these things are horrible. Coronavirus, horrible. Nuclear bomb, horrible. Vikings, horrible. These things are horrible. And yet there is something, some good that comes out, which is it wakes us up to reality. The reality is all of us are going to die. He says this, the reminder is so far as it goes, is a good thing. Why? Because we have been waked from a pretty dream. And now we can begin to talk about realities. Okay. Again, this is what um, C.S. Lewis is saying. He's saying, hey, all of these things are bad. Obviously, he doesn't want these things to happen. And yet, he's saying there's something positive for us, which is now we have to face reality. Again, some of us, we don't like that. We don't like this reality. But again, he's saying this is a reality for us. We have This is something we have to deal with. So a question I have for you guys is, are you ready to deal with reality? When this whole coronavirus thing happened, okay, how did you respond? Were you freaking out? Are you uneasy? Do you have a lot of anxiety? Do you have fear? Do you have problems sleeping at night? C.S. Lewis is saying, all of these things, nothing is new. Life was always unexpected. But now that we have to face reality, the question he asks us is, are you ready for it? Does your belief system, whatever you believe, or mentally, are you strong enough to handle this reality? Today, we're going to be talking about that. We're actually going to talk about how Christianity actually gives a, such a great, great, such a great resource for us to actually deal with this harsh reality of death. So let's talk about death. Uh, what do people have to actually say about death? Uh, how do they tell us to actually deal with it? What does social media, what does society tell us? And what does the Bible actually have to tell us? Um, if you think about it, we're very uncomfortable dealing with death in itself. But about 200 years ago, death was not actually a big deal. Okay, obviously I wasn't there to, uh, to see it. But if you read books, they actually dealt with death as just very normal thing. But 200 years ago, they had difficulty talking about like, like birth, sex, contraceptive. They had, you know, it was a polite society. They didn't, they didn't talk about that stuff. But it's really interesting because now in our society, it's kind of reversed, right? We're okay talking about sex or birth or babies, contraceptive. We have no problem with that. But death, that's something that we're not familiar with. I mean, there's many reasons why we don't, we don't like talking about death. But I think one of the reasons is because of technology. When people get sick, when people are going through immense amount of pain, what do we do now because of technology, because of events of medicine? We just sedate them. We make them feel better. We make them feel good. We make, make, we make sure even as they die, they die without pain. So as we see people dying, we look at them and they seem comfortable. They don't seem like death is that bad of a thing. On top of that, a lot of people, because of the facilities and hospice that are available to us, now for us, 
if we want to get away from death, we just go to our house and we don't have to deal with our loved ones or uh, our family members actually dying, right? We could actually distance ourselves from death. But think about it. 200 years ago, they didn't have that kind of stuff. If you're going through cancer, if you're going through some kind of virus, if you're dying because of a disease, what happens? You are in incredible amount of pain. So you see that death takes life away. You see how powerful death is. And yet, they're not in the hospitals. They're actually dying in your home. You have to see all of that. You can't just segment your life, compartmentalize your life like that. What happens when they die? When, you're, uh, when your loved ones die, you better start digging. Right? You get all your family members, you start digging a grave, and you bury them. You see, 200 years ago, death was literally a normal thing. It was part of life. That was something they had to face, uh, face to face. But for us, it's very, very difficult for us. So Peter Burgess, Ber, uh, Berger, Berger actually says, he's a, he's a sociologist, but he actually calls our society, modern society, he actually says, we are a world without windows. Okay, why does he say that? He's basically saying we are a world without windows because um, as um, science kept developing more and more and more and philosophers came out and continued to say, hey, we don't need God. Science is the answer. And so basically, more and more and more, religion, faith, it didn't become very important. But because of that, people didn't know how to deal with big life's question, which was, what happens after I die? So they started think, not thinking about that at all. So Peter Berger, he... He's a sociologist, like I said, but he started mentioning this and he started to say our world is like a world without windows because everything is dark, right? There is no question. There is no um, world with hope anymore because after we die, science tells us, I mean, this world, this universe is expanding and basically energy, you know, thermodynamic law of thermodynamic which is basically, you know, as you're expanding energy is you're losing energy. And because of that, eventually the whole universe, as we know it, is going to be gone. We're just flicker. We're just a wave upon the sand. Okay? So it's basically telling us, hey, there is nothing for you. So just live in this world. You only live once. YOLO. But he's also talking about how that has brought so much anxiety and so much fear into our lives because there is nothing else. And that's why he said, we're a world without windows. Imagine uh, being in a house okay, without any windows or any, any, any doors. Okay? Or imagine driving without any windows. How much fear, how much anxiety would you actually have? Peter Berger, the sociologist, he basically, he's basically saying this is how a lot of people are living. And that's why they do not want to face death. Because it's scary. It's frightening. They don't want to think about that. They, so they just said, hey, forget it. And you know, I, I know like I've been reading the news about coronavirus and there's like a lot of college students 
going out and partying during spring break and so many people are criticizing them but again they're just they're saying basically hey we're gonna die anyways okay this world is a bleak place anyways i'm just gonna have fun what's wrong with that in the 20th century um psychologists uh, started really worrying about people because um, depression anxiety panic attack these started to rise more and more and more because of everything that we just talked about which is we live in a world without windows and so psychologists started to say okay death is paralyzing people it's putting people into fear um, they're living irresponsibly this is not good and so a bunch of psychologists started to um, come up with a different idea about death and basically it's this movement called I, I don't know exactly there's a name for it but I call it um, uh, death is natural movement right it's it's this idea that um, you know death is just part of life um, it's just the circle of life there's nothing to be fearful of it's just a peaceful secession um, it's it's a dreamless sleep you know it's just a a drop of water going back into, into into the sea so basically psychologists start to say hey I know you're being paralyzed but hey death is just part of life okay just have be at peace with it okay just circle of life you know like um, like Lion King it talks about how you know what yeah we grow up and then we die but because uh, uh, you know after we die our body becomes uh, fertilizer and food for other animals and they continue on and and life just goes on and on and on you're just a drop you just go back to the sea again it's just this peaceful hey don't worry about that don't be scared of death kind of approach again the problem with this approach is that when people actually do die Again, you can think about that, you know, when people are not dying. But when you think about people that you love dying, or you experience, uh, you know, you hear about death that is, that is happening, that's not what your thought is. Right? Deep down inside of you, you go, no. Death is not normal. This is not right. This is just something so wrong. Right? And that's why... Uh, even in the Bible, Solomon actually says, God has put eternity into our hearts. Essentially, what is Solomon saying? He's basically saying, when I look at death, it just seems like it's not right. It's an enemy. It, it, it shouldn't be here. Again, um, we have two different views. One view says, oh, don't, don't, I'm, I'm not going to even think about, I'm not going to even think about death at all. Oh, death is so negative. I'm not going to think about it at all. And the other view says, think about death, but it's just a natural thing. It's not a big deal. What does the Bible actually have to tell us? It actually gives us uh, something I think very, very powerful, something that could actually handle reality itself. So we're going to our Bible verse. It's in uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, and this is what Paul says. Brothers and sisters, we do not want you to be uninformed about those who sleep in death, so that you do not grieve like the rest of mankind who have no hope. You see, Paul already, he's telling us, hey, I know there's people who are saying, 
oh, I don't want to think about the, I don't want to uh, face reality. But he's saying, no, 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 no. Hey, you have to face reality. Okay, death is part of reality. We have to understand that. And yet, he says, if you go back, okay, he says, hey, do not grieve like the rest of mankind. So again, he's saying, think about death. And yet, okay, we deal with death very, very differently. Okay, because there's people out there who says, hey, you know what? Emotions is bad. Don't be sad. You know, don't grieve at all. But this is not what Paul is actually saying. A lot of uh, Christians actually take this verse out of context because Paul is not saying don't grieve at all. Okay, Paul is saying we are sad. We have to face death and we don't like it. But we deal with death. We approach death very, very differently. Okay? Because there's people out there who like even Christians and even non-Christians, but they, you know, non-Christians, uh, the Stoics would say things like, hey, just toughen up, step, step of your lip. Okay, deal with it, man up, don't cry about this. And yet there's also Christians who say uh, things like this, uh, very, very similar things, saying things like, oh man, why is that person sad? Why is that person going through depression? That person might, must not have faith. So again, uh, Paul is um, not saying that at all. He's, he's saying, no, 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 there is grieving, yet we grieve differently. And we see this most clearly uh, in John chapter 11 when we see Jesus. Jesus actually goes to a funeral, and this is what actually happens. If you go to John 11, this is what it says. When Jesus saw Mary, her weeping, Mary, Mary is uh, the brother of Nazareth who died, and he was the he was a friend of Jesus. And the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, Jesus was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Now, the English, the English word here, it definitely doesn't do justice because it just says deeply moved, right? But if you actually look at the Greek word, okay, it actually, this is what the Greek word is, okay? It actually says this. It actually says, this word it's like a horse snorting because of because the horse is so angry or it's like a it's like a lion roaring in anger so what jesus is what jesus is experiencing here he actually later on it talks about how jesus actually cries the reason why jesus cries is because jesus is so angry when he sees death he's so angry when he sees people who are actually crying now, this is really, really, really important because, again, if there's Christians who are saying, oh, you know, you're a Christian, you must not have enough faith if you're not crying, you can't say that anymore because Jesus, we see here, he's actually crying. But we get a very, very uh, a different approach than this whole, like, death is natural movement. Why? Because we actually see Jesus getting very, very angry about death, right? He's saying, no. This whole death is not part of life. This is not how I made you guys. So he's super duper angry about death itself. So again, we get a very, very contrasting view of what people tell us about death, what society tells us about, uh, about death. Okay. Again, to summarize, on the one hand, society tells us, oh, don't worry, don't think about death at all. Jesus tells us, Bible tells us, no, you need to think about death. Death is reality for us we need to deal with reality and yet it doesn't tell us 
no, death is just a natural thing. It's okay. No, it actually tells us, no, we should be angry at death. We should not be okay with death. We should not say that it's part of our design. No, we're made for something more. So he continues on. Paul continues on in verse 14. He says, For we believe that Jesus died and rose again. And so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep with him. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet call of God, and the death in Christ will rise first. After that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. Basically, what are these verses saying? It's saying, hey, for us Christians, okay, now Paul is specifically talking to Christians because he says, hey, for us, we deal with death very, very differently than, than those who do not believe in Jesus. Why? This is the whole gospel message, right? This is, this is like the central theme of Christianity, which is all of us, okay, we're all doomed to die. All humanity, whether you're a Christian or not, we're all, we're all dying. But yet, there is a Savior. There is someone who can rescue you from death. So it tells us, right? It actually tells us that Jesus actually dies instead of us. We are the ones who need to die, but instead Jesus dies for us. So imagine, it's kind of like this. This is what uh, uh, Tim Keller said. He says this. It's an illustration. He said this. Death is like a spear aimed right at our heart. It's coming right towards us. But right, right as it's coming towards us, Jesus has thrown himself in front of it and taken it right in the chest. So this is Christianity at its core, that Jesus actually takes our death. We should have died, but instead Jesus dies for us. But as that is important, we forget the second part, which is he also rose as well. He didn't stay dead. He actually came alive. And so this is what Paul is pointing us to. He's saying, hey, Christians, I know that death is a serious thing. That deep inside of you, you go, no, this is not right. This is wrong. And yet he's telling us, hey, look at Jesus. Because there's actually hope. He died too. But he rose again. And same with us. At the end times, we will rise up with Jesus. And it says here in uh, 1 Thessalonians 17, we will be with the Lord forever. So death has no part of us anymore. And that's why this is really cool. If you look at uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, this is what actually Paul says. Death has been slow, swallowed up in victory. Where, O oh death, is your victory? Where, O oh death, is your sting? But thanks be to God. He gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. <laughs> what is Paul basically saying? Paul is looking death right in the eye, and he's saying, Death, what happened to you, dude? I mean, you're boasting, you're talking about how, like, 
you know, no amount of money can overpower you, no amount of status, relationships, right? Death, you said, I am the most powerful being. But Paul is basically looking death right back in its eyes and saying, what happened to you? What happened to your power? What happened, you great, great beast? Right? It's kind of like looking at Goliath and saying, but what happened? Why are you on the ground? Why is it that you can't affect me? Right? In our vernacular, he's basically taunting him. He's saying, nah, 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 nah. Like, you can't do anything. What can you do now? There's nothing you can do. You have been defeated. You're on the ground. You're dead. Death is dead. What can you do? There's nothing you can do to me. You know, it's really interesting because there's actually a, a pastor who says, who actually, George Herbert, he actually said this, because there's a lot of people during that time who used to say, hey, death is an executioner. But he, 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 he wrote a poem, and this is what he says. He said, death used to be an executioner, but the gospel has made him just a gardener. He plants me to make me something beautiful. So this is really, really cool if you understand it, because he's essentially saying before, Everybody were scared. Everybody was scared of you before Jesus. Everybody was scared of death. But now when Jesus actually came, you just simply became a gardener. Right? Think of a gardener. What do you do? You get a seed and you plant it into the ground. And yeah, the seed in the beginning, it's dark, it's cold. But what happens? As you actually die, great things happen. You actually come to life. And so George George Herbert He's basically telling us as Christians, he's saying, hey, death is not the end of us. If anything, death is just the beginning. Death actually moves us closer to God. Death actually something, death is something that is actually beautiful for us Christians. There's an illustration that I want to, I want to give you an imagery. And we'll end with this. But the imagery is, Death, okay, for us, okay, again, let's go back to what that sociologist talked about, the world without windows, okay? That's what our world was, but the gospel came, right? And now we realize that there's actually a door. We thought there was no windows, we thought there were no doors, but now there's actually a door. We get closer to it and it's dark. It creaks. It's scary. There's there's um, uh, there's cob cobwebs everywhere. But yet we get closer and closer, and we actually see that there's laughter behind the door. That there's actually things going on. There's actually a banquet. There's actually light coming out. So what do you do? You pull it open, it creaks. You pull it open and you see that there is actually a great banquet. There's a festival, there's people dancing and rejoicing. You see, before you thought everything is dark, there's nothing to hope for, but there's a door. The gospel provided us a door into something beautiful for us. So I wanna ask the Christians who are watching this, do you believe that this world is not just a world without windows. There's actually a door 
when you die, that will be opened up and there's actually a banquet. Do you believe that? If you do believe that, why aren't you living like it? Why are you just as scared, just as afraid? Why are you just as evasive or running away from death as people who don't believe in the banquet? Why aren't you experiencing hope in your life? Why is your life overrun with this whole coronavirus thing? Why aren't you thinking? Why aren't you thinking? Why aren't you looking to this great hope that we have? Like we talked about last week, there's a great fire that God has provided for us. Why are you out in the cold being rain poured out on and freezing to death when the great fire is right there? For the non-Christians, you might be watching this and you might be saying, come on, this is all fairy tale stuff. It's just, just kid stuff, just deal with death, whatever. But how about this? What if there was actually a great banquet when you die? What if everything I'm saying is true? What if there was actually Jesus who came down and died for you so that you can actually have life? He has taken away your shame that you don't have to be afraid of judgment. That there is actually life after this world. That life isn't just over. We're not just a flicker. We're not just a sand upon wave. What if the relationships that you have, it doesn't just end, but it could be eternal. That you can see your loved ones again. Just imagine that. What would your life look like? Would you be still so bitter and so cynical of life? Would you be so in fear? And anxious about what's to come. There's a verse uh, that I want to end with. It's from Luke chapter 1. Because of the tender mercy of our God, by which the rising sun will come to us from heaven to shine on those living in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the path of peace. Wow. This is really, really beautiful for us, right? It's giving us an imagery that we're living in a land of darkness without any windows. We're living in a world of death. And some of us, we're so frightened by it. Some of us, we just go, I don't want to think about it. But what here, it's what it's talking about is, hey, Jesus has provided us a door, a window, where we could actually go into a world with light, where there's hope, where there is infinite joy that is offered to us. And Jesus is inviting all of us, whether you are a Christian or a non-Christian, Jesus is inviting each and every one of us to look at death, to see that that's part of reality, to be angry at death, and to say, no, this is not right, this is wrong, this is not part of us, 
and yet not be crushed by that, not be bitter towards that, but actually live with hope and joy. That is the great promise that God is inviting all of us to, to the great banquet. All of you are invited. Will you follow? Will you open the door? As we're going to a time of reflection, I pray that you may hear the word of Jesus speaking to you.